0: This is the Illinois.
1: This is my time. This is our time. Grab that bull by the horns and own it, man. Today's your day. Let's go to work.
0: Welcome to the Illinois Podcast.
2: The Illinois.
0: Cutting through the noise of Illinois politics. Here's your host, Patrick Fingston.
2: If you have $50 billion, you may as well spend it, right? Welcome back to the Illinois Podcast. I'm Patrick Fingston. I write the Illinois political newsletter, which you can find at theillinois.com. We're recording this late in the day on Wednesday after Governor J.B. Pritzker gave his combined state of the state and budget address. We'll have some clips from his 51 minute speech and uh, some reaction. We'll talk to Democratic Representative Jay Hoffman uh, from the Metro East, as well as uh, Republican Senator Chapin Rose, who's the uh, lead budget negotiator for Senate Republicans. First, though, what's in the governor's budget? That's That's the big question. That's the proposal. It's the starting point. Uh, that, that we have uh, between now and when the legislature adjourns in May. Uh, it is just the starting point. It isn't a final budget, of course. The legislature still has to enact that. Uh, the general fund spending is uh, around $49.6 billion. Uh, that's um, ex- And if you add the extra spending that the legislature did uh, during the current fiscal year, uh, the current budget is on pace for just a, a shade under uh, $50 billion. So the governor, when, when speaking to the, the Joint Chamber, took a, a lot of credit, of course, for uh, the in, improved fiscal situation in the state.
1: Our budgets are built on a solid foundation of normalized state revenue and more efficient management of state resources. We have used our surpluses, to chip away at our long-term liabilities, too, including $500 million more into our pension stabilization fund over the last two years. And my proposal this year to increase that by another $200 million. The percent of the budget needed to meet our statutory obligations has declined as our revenues have grown and our fiscal fortunes have improved.
2: So so there's a lot to touch on. We've heard a lot over the last few months, even since the governor started his his reelection campaign back in uh, 2021 uh, about the ideas of free college for everyone, uh, free preschool for everyone, free uh, Free childcare for everyone. Uh, he he definitely backed off of some of those big numbers, uh, especially considering the state's financial situation. Uh, let's let's start with the the childcare part of this. Here's what the governor had to
1: say: Working parents need more quality childcare options. The broader shortage of labor that we're seeing all across the state right now can't be addressed without growing the availability of childcare for working families. But Illinois' current Child Care Assistance Program is based on unreliable and unpredictable funding, and that makes it hard for providers to invest in their workers or to grow. The current system is based on attendance in a given month, which, as all parents know, fluctuates if kids are sick or parents' work status changes. When attendance falls under a certain minimum level in a month, the provider's reimbursement rate for that month gets cut even though their fixed costs for providing services that month don't change. As any small business owner knows, that causes tremendous uncertainty for the future. Going forward, that's going to change, so I propose smart start workforce compensation contracts to move us towards more stable funding to support high quality programming and competitive wages for caregivers.
2: All right, a little bit of a word salad there, but here's kind of the 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 guts of the early childhood proposal from from what we were we were briefed on. Uh, it's, so it's seventy five million dollars in additional money. For for government funded preschool slots, there there are already some exist, uh, and and it seems that by 2027 they want enough that it is essentially universal uh, preschool. 130 million would be for uh, that child care worker program. You heard the governor mention uh, 40 million additional. 40 million goes into early intervention, which is uh, you know the therapy, uh, speech, orthope- um uh, occupational physical therapy, those sort of things for uh, for kids, so they don't fall behind. And uh, 100 million in capital to help build new childcare facilities that that they hope would would help reduce the the deserts, uh, the the uh, inability for for people to to find childcare uh, in in their areas, whether it be uh, rural or in in some more uh, more urban parts of the state. Uh, and the other issue that we we have, we heard a lot uh, leading into uh, was was the idea of of free college tuition in, in the state. Uh, it, it is a tuition assistance program. It, it's an increase in map grants uh, and, and it will uh, specifically, help uh, students at community college.
1: With a $100 million increase in MAP, we can make history. Together with Pell Grants, virtually everyone at or below median income in Illinois can go to community college tuition free. That means higher wages and better jobs in healthcare and IT, construction management, manufacturing, accounting, and much, much more.
2: So, as as part of that, the the free college, which is you know kind of how it was was described again leading up, so it's a hundred additional million dollars into the monetary assistance program grants, uh, the that brings it up to seven hundred million total. It allows, as as they put it, the governor's office puts it, nearly all community college students and forty percent of public university students who are at or below median income levels to have tuition and fees covered completely uh, by MAP and Pell Grants. Uh, and there's also an additional $100 million in in funding to higher education, which is is laid out in the, the budget proposal as well. Of course, it's it's a big behemoth of a, of a document, and there's a lot to go through. And then, of course, we'll see how much of it sticks as negotiations continue over the next uh couple of months but we did want to get you some reaction we are pleased to be joined by state representative Jay Hoffman he is a democrat from Swansea in the metro east Uh, he's he's an assistant majority leader in the house Uh, leader welcome Uh, let's start with your first impressions on on what the governor had to say on Wednesday
3: oh I thought it was uh, very well done and I you know the the obviously the um the devil's in the details so you know the, under the under our uh, under our constitution, I believe the governor goes first, and then the legislature begins to, you know, analyze his proposed budget and vis a vis last year, and go literally goes line by line in order to uh, develop the uh, the final product. But you know, talking about uh, budgets um, generally are boring and dull, uh, but it does you know reflect i don't i don't think his, his speech was was that way but you know when when we when we then discussed budgets with the the general public uh you know it it does sometimes get lost in the um you know the the figures and the millions of dollars or billions of dollars and we're not really clear as to what the state priorities are and i thought what he did very well is i thought that he uh Although he talked about some of the numbers and the commitments financially, I thought he did a, a very good job of establishing what his priorities are uh, for the next fiscal year and the long-term future of the state. So um, from that standpoint, I it, was, it was well done. Now, we got, as we go through the process, uh, uh, we're going to have to, you know, look and see whether all of our priorities are met or if we have different um priorities and we can work them out between the legislature and the and the governor's office so uh, from you know the fact that we have a a, a proposed balanced budget with over two billion dollars in the rainy day fund and our backlog of bills uh, is basically uh, non-existent is pretty amazing considering at one point I believe we had a $17 billion bill backlog um, under the previous administration. So uh, if you would have told me then that we would be sitting with a $2 billion possibility of having a $2 billion, over $2 billion rainy day fund in case there's a downturn in the economy and, there, and some of the economists who predicted that, if they, in case they're correct, uh, I would have said that would have been nearly impossible. But um, this proposed budget uh, does that while, I believe, you know, addressing uh, things like, uh, you know, infrastructure projects, uh, their job creation, you know, law enforcement training and resources, education funding, and uh, um, long-term fiscal health of the state.
2: You know, I wrote about this the other day, that it seems Democrats are kind of in a tough spot, because when when we finally seemingly gotten the state's fiscal ship up from the bottom of the ocean and floating again. We're looking at a recession in the face, and, and there seems to be a ton of pressure from inside your caucus and the Senate Democrat caucus to spend a lot of money on a lot of things. How do you balance the the pragmatic part of keeping the ship afloat uh, while trying to meet the needs on, on your side, uh, especially those who are a lot more progressive and and want more spending.
3: I mean, I I believe that we have to always keep an eye, you know, towards the future what could be coming. And you know, not every year is going to uh see unforeseen uh revenue um coming into our state coffers. Uh we we've been very fortunate that that's happened. Uh but that's not going to to last forever. So I think we when we when we work with our members in order to continue to have a rainy day fund and continue to have a balanced budget, while at the same time, uh, move forward with uh, the early childhood smart start Illinois initiative. um, We have to be mindful and very upfront that hey, you know, if if we keep adding non one time expenditures into the base of the budget at some time uh we're not going to have the, the same kind of uh, uh you know revenues that we currently have and it's going to have to be uh you know uh, cut and nobody wants to begin a program and later see it uh, taken away uh i think that the uh the access for all three and four year olds to preschool is something that should have been done years and years ago and i applaud the governor for for that initiative and making it a, a priority because there's there's no doubt that uh having access to preschool for for children who are three and four uh sets them on a lifetime of learning and people are children who have pre or have had preschool uh are much more likely to be able to read at a third grade level by third grade, which uh, experts would say that um long term that is an indicator of being successful and not being a, a, a drop out of high school. So from from that standpoint I, I certainly think that, that should should have been a could have been a priority a long time ago and I applaud him for
2: for doing that. But that's the thing. Can we really afford to bake an additional $3 billion into the budget right now? I mean, I think there are a lot of people on both sides of the aisle who will tell you there are some pretty darn good ideas here. But can we really afford to build it in year after year? Well, I
3: think I would say for the Smart Start Illinois program. Um, and and again, I've just heard the generality. So uh, the specifics will... Will have to be worked out and the specific amount of money uh for the i believe the four-part program uh will have to be worked out but i i would say you can't afford not to because uh it's my it, it, he as as the governor pointed out for every dollar that you you invest into these preschool programs you save seven dollars uh in the future so um i don't know what the the um the source of that is, but I have um seen it before and heard it before uh yet as we look at other programs and other other initiatives, I think we have to be mindful that we're not uh we're we're not uh, setting ourselves up for a uh, uh huge crash in the future so uh that isn't always easy. You pointed out that uh everyone every member has their own priority and Some are more expensive than others, but you have to, as you, as we work through this, we have to uh, still be mindful and just be honest that whether or not uh, we're going to be able to afford that term. All
2: right. Be honest with me. You've been around the block a few times. How much of this proposal that we heard today actually winds up in the final budget?
3: I think that I I would say, you know, what we heard today, a large, large portion is going to end up in a final budget because of the priorities of the governor. The question really is at what levels, and what can we agree to at what levels, and what can we afford at what levels. Um, I think that I think that uh, the governor did a, a fantastic job of laying out his priorities, what his priorities are, and for most of us, at least on on, uh, on this side of the aisle, his priorities are very, very similar to what ours are um but i also know that he is very serious about uh ensuring that we have a rainy day fund that we continue to pay our bills on time that we make our pension payments uh and that uh, we have we truly have a balanced budget uh that and i share uh, all those goals and and i believe that what he has put forward does that
2: and for a Republican perspective, I sat down with State Senator Chapin Rose, a Republican from Muhammad earlier today uh, over Zoom, and uh, discussed his
0: his thoughts and his reactions to the speech. Yeah, you know, uh, look, there, we can talk about a couple places where we can find some common ground. But I, I think the biggest top line for me is really goes back to Susie Mendoza, right? The Democratic comptroller, the governor's own party. You know, we need a whole line on spending. The mistake that governments always make is to not save, you know, is to is, you know is to is to spin themselves into oblivion. And when you look at the fact that the state just got you know bailed out by the federal taxpayers, and on all the things Governor Pritzker said today about how oh he you know paid off all the bills and done this and done that, it really comes back to the fact that he was handed billions of dollars from the federal taxpayers that dug us out of one hell of a hole, okay? Now, by increasing spending on new programs, he's starting to dig the hole right over again. And so what I want to point out here is, you know, $3 billion in new, new programmatic spending getting baked into the pie is setting yourself up for failure when the recession comes, which it is, Governor Pritzker's own uh, econ people are telling him that, and you know it's really ultimately setting the stage for yet another tax increase on in the people of Illinois when that when that day comes, uh, and it's coming. I mean, look, you can look at the manufacturers' purchase index, which is plummeted. You can look at the inflation rates that are now causing people to, you know, to to constrain consumption. But you know, virtually every economic indicator I've seen in the last you know two months, every every economist of any note. You know, thinks you're anywhere from three, nine, twelve months away from a recession. So why are we not then prudently, you know, building an even bigger rainy day fund? Right. And I think that you know, go look, go back to economic cycle is it's history, right? It, there times are good and times are bad. Right now you're coming off a budget high. That's when you're supposed to store up to protect yourself for you know the coming recession. And I, I just guess I fundamentally disagree with this notion. We should go on this huge spending spree. I think Comptroller Mendoza was exactly right. We should hold the line on spending, um, build up those reserves, um, continue to pay off debt. And, and you know, by the way, I, one critique I had: the governor talked about how, you know, oh, he paid off all the group health insurance bills. Well, not SIP and trip. And for your viewers, it's you know SIP is the community, you know, the community college insurance program, and trip is the teachers. Um, healthcare program. So, those I talked to somebody in my district uh, last week. You know, community college retiree. Uh, their dental bill hasn't been paid for eighteen months. Eighteen months, Patrick. In fact, I've got a resolution on it uh, for a, uh, to to do a pretty significant task force on how to put SIP and trip on permanent you know footing. But there are all those things like that. I'll give me another one you know, the governor talked about how he wants to help development disabled, okay? In his budget, he's putting $63 million in new money in for development disabled. Even after that increase, we're over half a billion dollars behind in funding for the development disability uh, where we should be from the Guidehouse report. Well, what's the Guidehouse report? The Guidehouse report was the study that was done with all the provider groups in the state to determine how much is needed to actually do right by the development disabled. Now, let me take a step off here. By any moral ethic, any uh, modicum of, of integrity, to help people who truly can't help themselves, people who were born you know unable to hold a job through no fault of their own, that is a moral imperative for society. Okay, You don't have to be a Democrat, you don't have to be a Republican. We can just say that we need to help the development disabled because it's the right thing to do. To not do that. And in fact, for Illinois to be 51st in the country, and yeah, I know there's 50 states, I'm adding in the District of Columbia as well. We're behind all 50 states and the District of Columbia. We're last in helping the development disabled. Yet we're going to have this big new spinning spree and a bunch of bright, shiny new balls. And I just, I, I think it's just being imprudent. And I think ultimately, it's going, you're setting yourself up for for, for complete failure um, when you know the, when the recession comes. and I don't know if it's three months from now or six months from now, but I got a pretty good, good darn hunch that sometime between the now and the FY 24 budget ends. you know that's 18 month time horizon. Um, you know, if you look at the manufacturer's purchase index just last month, it's already you know precipitously declining. So that is the number one unfallible indicator of recession. <laughs> It's never failed. So, so so let's
2: let's start with the college thing real quick, because this, this whole idea started with um, you know, basically before the um before the campaign really even got going was was the governor saying he wanted essentially universal college tuition paid for. There were there were some different iterations of different ideas, and and what he proposed today seemingly backs off of that a little bit to just expand map grants a little bit and make it for community colleges you have at least two in your district i mean doesn't that make yeah yeah, it doesn't it make sense to to make community college more accessible especially when map grants would be paying for most of it anyway
0: well first of all taxpayers pay for map grants okay so map grants don't pay for anything taxpayers pay for map grants but look The investments in higher education, I think, are a place where our caucus is willing to, you know, work with the governor. All right. I said there are places where we're going to be willing to work with them. The development disabled piece is one where we're willing to work with them. Uh, Frankly, Ameren and the power bill situation in downstill Illinois with the doubling of of people's power bills is an area where we'll be willing to work with the governor. What I'm saying, though, is when you add up all these, you know, new shiny balls. And by the way, MAP's not new. Right. That's an existing program you've got $3 billion of new baked in spend. And, um, you know, you're right to note that this isn't quite community college for all, which is what he sort of promised, right? But, you know, is that a good uh, use of revenue? It can be if used wisely. Personally, I I think MAP needs to be way more geared towards end product, right? So, for example, all these... um, Map and uh, you—you follow uh, i am sure your viewers have, have followed—all these uh, uh, institutions of higher education, where um, the the Biden administration is now bailing out student loan debt because they went to cooking school and got a degree that wasn't worth anything, and they're thousands of dollars in debt, and the only job they can get is at McDonald's, right? You've seen these bad actors schools, right? These pop-up for-profit uh, so-called academic schools. Well, right now, those same people that the Biden administration is using federal taxpayer dollars to, to attempt to bail out the, the, the enormous student loan debt put on those students at so-called academic institutions, those same groups are eligible for MAP grants. Well, what are we really buying as a taxpayer with our MAP dollar? Are we helping someone get a good job with benefits or are we simply sending someone to culinary school and then they go on to McDonald's? Or, are we taking a map dollar and using, creating an auto mechanic, that's going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year and get health benefits? Okay, those are two different fundamental outcomes, and I think the map, rather than just throw more money into the pot, and I've got bills on this, you could very smartly increase the effectiveness of map, lead to better outcomes for for society, and most importantly, the individual involved by 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 using MAP in a, in a much more efficacious manner. Let me give you an example. The bulk of MAP right now goes to four years, okay? Community colleges, frankly, get very little MAP, and there's reasons for that. But the bulk of it goes to four years. But there are extreme restrictions on what you can use MAP for. So I'll give you a perfect example. Trucking right now is the most in-demand industry in America. You can make upwards of six figures, 2 with a trucking license, and you can do it very quickly. You Don't need a four-year degree. You don't need a four-year degree, but can you use MAP for that. Oops, there's a problem. Is MAP being diluted from in-demand professions, high-demand professions, where people are getting a good wage with benefits? Well, but, but,
2: but why would you need a map for a CDL? I mean, essentially, I mean that's. I, I, I I'm I'm not arguing with your your those context are here, but.
0: Because you go to community college, community college is where you get your CDLs.
2: Okay, sure.
0: Yeah. My point is this, are we gearing our expenditure our investment in something that's going to return on equity? Mm -hmm. Or are we just simply giving people money to go to a for-profit school that right now, even the Biden administration is saying is not educating anybody in anything that's useful, so much so that people have not found gainful employment. And now you're trying to bail them out of the, the student loan debt they incurred in the process of going to a cut rate, you know, internet school. Okay. So map needs to be far, you could said differently, you can make a far greater investment with the money you have in MAP and, and and serve, frankly, in a more efficient manner the people we have. If we were, if it wasn't a here, here it is, go anywhere you want, including for-profit schools. That aren't going to give you anything in return for the taxpayer's investment.
2: My my guess is Democrats are going to hear hear this line of, of thinking and, and argument and in opposition to, to the new programs and say this is just another uh conservative Republican who who hates poor people and doesn't want to do anything to help those in need and pay for you know things that are are holding people back.
0: How do you country. guys yeah, so quite the contrary. Dick Durbin himself has spoken on the U.S. Senate floor about the problems of the for-profit educational institutions and how they're fleecing people. Okay, I'm, I'm talking more in general, though. I, I know, but 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 look, man. Except except Patrick, we're the ones talking about helping the development disabled. Okay, Governor Pritzker's budget has left them behind. 51st in the country for the development disabled. Okay, so don't give me this. You're not helping people crap. Governor Pritzker isn't helping the development disabled. You're half a billion dollars behind what you need to actually help the development disabled in this state. Okay, so when I talk about moral construct to help, that's us, Republicans. Okay, but frankly, it shouldn't be Republicans, it should be everybody. And we would be willing to work with Governor Pritzker in a productive way to get our funding to where it needs to be for the development disabled. But my point is this when you got 3 billion dollars in all this new spending stuff all these bright shiny balls and you're leaving behind the single most vulnerable people in our state what if, it's the exact opposite you're you're accusing the wrong person
2: republicans uh, have notoriously been left out of the the budget process the last few years do you have any expectation that that you guys will even be in the room this time around
0: um Let me give you the answer to you this way. I think there's places where we can work with the governor and again, development, disabled funding. I think we work with them on hospital funding and we, you know, rural ERs and access to, to labor and delivery services are every bit as important as in inner of Chicago. Um, The, the higher ed piece we talked about, I think there are important investments there. I think there's ways you can do them better. Okay. But we can talk about those things and we will talk about those things with them. I want to say one other thing though, on this whole nonsense about, You know, Republicans, you you say like, oh, they're just going to say Republicans don't like this group or that group. Let me point out something in this budget. Governor Governor Pritzker's budget includes a $700 million spend because Joe Biden has cut Illinois off on Medicaid funding. Okay, April 1st, it cuts off. There's over $700 million the state taxpayers now are going to pick up because of Joe Biden cutting off spending. So I don't ever want to hear any more about this. Republicans don't like this group or that group, because we're now going to have to pick up 700 million in new spend from him cutting the state of Illinois off from FMAP match.
2: Senator Chapin Rose, Republican for Muhammad. Senator, appreciate the time and conversation as always. Have a great day. All right. Thanks to Representative Jay Hoffman and Senator Chapin Rose for their time. Obviously there's a lot more time for discussion and debate and A lot more to come on parts of this proposal and and other elements that that will be included or excluded uh, before the budget is passed and and finalized in May. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, Of course, you can follow along each day with us, too, at TheIllinois.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.